Hello, and welcome to Mindful Mentoring. I'm Tom Martin, host of the podcast and founder of the Martin Center for Mentorship and Communication at the College of Charleston. I've spent more than 40 years in the communication profession, both as a practitioner leading the communication function at FedEx and ITT Corporation, and as an educator. Along the way, my career has been shaped by those who've mentored me, and this podcast explores the subject of mentoring. When I speak to successful leaders in business, education, sports, the arts, nonprofits, government service, I find that almost all of them can point to a few individuals who made a profound difference in their lives and careers. It might be a parent, a coach, a boss, a teacher, or a friend who at a critical moment offered them sound advice that truly made a difference. These individuals may not have called themselves mentors, but that's the role they played. Mentorship takes many forms, and on this podcast, we're going to speak to successful people about their own experiences, both as mentors and mentees. Our guest today is Tony DeSanti. Tony has had a long and distinguished career in sports broadcasting. He's produced major sports events for CBS, NBC, ESPN, Disney, and the Big Ten Network. Covering the Olympics, the NFL, NCAA football and basketball, U.S. Open tennis, Major League Baseball, and the NBA. Tony's also a member of the National Advisory Council here at the College of Charleston. Tony, welcome to Mindful Mentoring. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. So, Tony, you've had a hell of a career. Uh, Really impressive. Uh, I know along the way you've been mentored by people probably many times. Can you think of some one or two of the mentors who really helped shape your career? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I did go to school as a journalist, a journalism major, um, attended Iona College. And throughout my high school days, I reached out to um, an old newsman at NBC called Ed, well, his name, uh, Edwin Newman. This is NBC News Capsule. Here is Edwin Newman. Good evening. A small private plane flying from Painesville, Ohio. to. He was somebody that I probably five or six times during my high school and college uh, career um, I would meet with the 30 Rock, and we would go over my plans, my views, my vision. Um, it was also um, nerve-wracking because he was uh, like an expert on the English language, and and <laughs> like uh, I would get myself caught many, many times with him correcting me. But um, I totally respected him. He was great. He was a visionary, and uh, he was somebody that opened a lot of doors for me. Why do you think he took an interest in you? I think because I reached out to him, and I, I, I think we spoke earlier um, during um, my visit here about what I always um, advise students is calling somebody and not asking for a job, but asking for advice. And somebody like uh, Mr. Newman or you know Jim Lampley was another person that um, was a huge mentor for me and opened the door at CBS for me. There you go. Four punch, five punch, six punch combination, body shot, body shot, bang, bang, bang. This is the Manny Pacquiao who has dominated boxing for the past three years. People are willing to give advice as opposed to when you cold call someone with your resume and ask for a job. Um, they're not as, you know, they're, they're more reluctant to even talk to you then. So I, I always feel like, you know, reaching out, asking somebody to help me is a good thing. And along the way, I'm sure you've seen examples of good coaching and bad coaching, uh, you know, covering Many sports times. as you have. You know, coaches are often mentors for people. Um, 
What do you think the good ones, the, the coaches that really get uh, impact from their players and their and just their colleagues, uh, what do you think separates the good from the bad? Well, I think if you judge them from the 70s and 80s, the good coaches are a little different. They, they've evolved today um, as in the past. Bobby Knight was somebody that I loved as a kid. And I felt like I would send my own child to play for him just for the, the discipline and um, the dedication to their craft. That doesn't fly today. I mean, and so today's athlete is totally different. So I think you need somebody that, you know, I coached um, travel ball for a long time and people would be like, you should treat every child the same. And I'm like, you can't because the things I could say to my son, I can't say to yours. The way I could say it to my son isn't the same I would say it to yours. And certain kids, you know, um, you know, react differently to criticism. So, you know, you have to pat one on the back and the other one you can kind of, you know, give him, you know, show them that he needs to work harder. Red Holtzman um, was a mentor of mine who was the uh, Knicks basketball coach in 69 and 73. William Holtzman. I have the distinguished honor to enshrine you as a coach in the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. There are a lot of people in your life, and I've been in professional basketball now for uh, 41 years. So I, I was very lucky to be in a game where guys run around and coaches yell at them. And, and So he used to call me the haberdasher. So because before I got into broadcasting, I worked at Brooks Brothers as uh, the director of marketing. And... I became fast friends with Red towards the end of his life, and uh, I would go to Cedarhurst and bring suits and bagels and locks and sit with him and Selma. And he told me that when he coached the 69 Knicks, which was probably one of the most intelligent teams um, that ever played on a basketball court, he said he could say things to Willis Reed and blame Willis for everything because Willis would say, I'm the captain, I have big shoulders, broad shoulders, where he couldn't rip Walt Frazier because he didn't react to criticism. So I think being a mentor is the same way. You have to find um, what works for each of the students that you're dealing with. I mean, one person might want your direct honesty. One person might not, you know, and, and I think you have to figure that out and kind of almost spell it out to them beforehand and say, hey, listen, I like to be direct and I like to be honest um, to a fault, but I think it's going to help you by me doing that. When you work with students, some of them probably aren't as open or receptive to that. What advice would you give them to really listening to their mentor and learning from their mentor? I like to let them come to me. I'm very relaxed. I basically tell, um, you know, I told the group we were with today that, um, yeah, I like you to reach out to me by phone, you know, if you need. But I am also accept, you know, I, I it's acceptable to text me and ask me something and ask if you can help me. I said, but my advice to you would be personal, be interpersonal, pick up the phone, write a letter. I, like I, you know, we were going over the letters to the mentors and I was like, I believe that that letter should be snail mail. It should be sent in the mail and it should be something that differentiates you from the 2000 other emails that I have in my box. I see that letter, um, right off the bat, I'm captivated and I want to work with you. So, so sometimes the old-fashioned tactics actually do work. I, I, I do think so. I think that, you know, listen, that we've evolved um, technology, you know, technology-wise, but I think there's certain things like picking up a phone, asking for a meeting, 
asking for advice, sending a letter of thanks. I know a lot of our students have an interest in broadcast journalism and in sports, especially. These days, I know it's changing a lot. You're right in the middle of a lot of those changes, uh, going from network kind of driven to now more streaming and all that. If you were advising one of our students who has an interest in sports journalism or sports broadcasting, what would you tell them now with this in this new world? Well, so when I grew up, there were three networks, right? ABC, NBC, um, and CBS. Um, you know, and they were just the affiliates that we had in New York. But that being said, I would have never believed I'd be with a startup um, with the Big Ten Network in 2007. And fast forward, I'm now doing work at Barstool. So we had uh, six young ladies that sat at the table, um, you know, in the last hour. And if I would ask them probably for a play-by-play announcer from CBS, for NBC, from ABC, they probably couldn't tell me. But I did tell them that I do some work at Barstool. And the first thing they say is, oh, Dave Portnoy. So um, the dynamics of the way the sport is is reached to the current students is different than it was when I grew up, when you grew up. Um, and I believe that um, there are different outlets now for these for the students now to kind of capture. And I, I would have never thought I'd be working at Barstool. I never thought that I'd be, you know, mystified that um, some clip that we did for the Arizona Bowl of one of his guys, Jersey Jerry, running across the field to pick up the tee and somebody pushed him from behind and he did the face plant, would get 5 million views within an hour. So um, Barstool and other medias in that um, media groups like that are, are, are reaching out to today's student. So what's the best way for a student to, to get the experience and the skills and the knowledge that they need to work in that world? Do this. I mean, you know, a podcast, I think starting a podcast and doing something different. Don't, don't, don't do the same old podcast where, you know, just talk about sports or, you know, find an angle that's important for you. Um, talk about something, you know, pick something that people aren't talking about or, um, you know, and, and go for it. Um, I just think that I, I tell the students all the time, like, be different. Do something different. Be creative. Don't just go mainstream because mainstream is not going to open doors for you. But if you do something different and you do it well and, you know, you put some thought into it, you're going to open doors and rattle some cages. And I think that helps. Now, you've obviously mentored a lot of people. What do you think motivates you to, to serve in the, in the mentor role to answer those phone calls or texts when students reach out, reach out to you? So when I was going through the motions of trying to get work, um, Maria Como was in um, a lot of my classes at Iona, and I was dying to work the Olympics that year. Of course, Mario was our our governor then, and Maria got an opportunity to work as an associate producer, and I was on the outside looking in, um, thus finding a career at Brooks Brothers for a while. Um, and I did know that there was some sort of nepotism that was involved in our industry, and um, it was easier for somebody that had a connection than a non-connection. And I had to fight and and claw to get into, you know, my place in the industry. And I feel like if I can make a difference and help a student just a little bit, um, I've done my job. And, you know, I always tell the students, I'm like, I will open it up. I will open the door a crack, but I want you to kick that door in. And um, if I can help, it makes the progress and the process so much easier. Now that you've been doing that for a while and helping those students kick in those doors, do you hear from them, the ones that you mentored down the road? You know, I do. Um, and there are some that I had given an example today that I was riding the elevator at ABC and I had gotten this um, 
producer um, for ABC News Digital, and he's in the elevator, and he didn't even say hello to me. And I was, like, really taken aback. I'm like, did you not remember that I was the reason why you're here for 10 years? And I didn't say it, but I thought it. And um, But I have um, – one of the one of the guys that was one of my runners and logger at, at CBS, Guy Thomas, who's now writing some great rap lyrics for CBS and for The View and for NBC. Um, I would see him in the hallways at ABC, and he'd be like, "Did I ever tell you?" And I'm like, "Stop, enough." And he's he refers to me as the person that bought my house, and that is really fulfilling, and that's really all I need. So it sounds like one message to students is when you do get mentoring help, remember to say thank you. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's it's I'm not asking for you to call every birthday or you know send me a Christmas gift, but I think that you know, in kind, you know, remembering that person that opened the door for you is not a bad thing. It, it's not a sign of weakness. It's there's nothing other than be kind. Remember the people that helped you because. You need to do the same thing down the road. I need you to be a mentor when you become successful. And I think that's what it's about. It's like paying it forward, you know. I think a lot of times students think they they have nothing to offer in a mentoring relationship. But don't you feel that students do bring something to that to that relationship too? I learn from students all the time. I mean, um, this is a different generation than than we grew up in. I mean, you know, this I, – I, I basically learn some of the things that I probably shouldn't do or shouldn't say. or And on top of that, I also um, I'm not an admirer of people that like you go into the elevator and people are all looking at their phones or walking across the street and looking at their phones. I'm like, say hello. Make, make eye contact. And I, I, I say the same thing to my son. I'm like, firm handshake, eye contact, say hello, thank you. Um, you know, just standard procedure that I think is being lost in translation these days. As you work with students, um, what do you think you can do to encourage them to reach out to their mentors, connect with their mentors, and and sort of stay in touch? Um, when I work with them, I will basically, you know, I'm pretty much an open book. So I have no problem communicating to them that, you know, I'm not looking. I, I want to be involved. I want to help out. Um, I, I want to be a friend or, you know, somebody that they can reach out to um, and there's no there's no bad time to reach me. If I can't talk to you now, I'll talk to you later, but I will get a hold of you and I will help you. So it's an open door policy. Um, I let them know that and I let them know that, you know, there's no strings attached. But, you know, I mean, I'm here for you. And if you need something, call on me. And as you think about our students and you've gotten to meet some of them here today um, and, and during this experience, uh, what do you see uh, the future being for, for our students? Well, I, I think that they have a really... Um, very intelligent student body. Um, I think they had some great questions. I think, um, you know, the fear of the unknown is what all of seniors feel. Um, but I think that they have a real great opportunity to succeed in this world. And a young lady sitting next to me um, is a communication major, but she also has a jewelry business. And these kids are smart. I mean, they're able to sell items on TikTok and on Instagram, and they're able to use the new media to their advantage. And I love to hear that. I love to see uh, entrepreneurs at, you know, at, at, at the you know, college level. I think it's great. Um, and I think that the questions that they asked, I think the passion that they have, um, and I think the guidance that they're getting is going to lead them into the right path. 
I want to thank our guest, Tony DeSanti, for joining us today. I also want to thank you for listening, and we'd like to hear from you. If you have suggestions on future guests or aspects of mentoring that you'd like us to cover, please drop me an email at martintr at cofc.edu. We'll be back soon with another episode of Mindful Mentoring.